0: Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. You have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hello and welcome
1: to Humans of Excess Manchester with me, Clint Boone. Every week we'll be celebrating the spirit of Manchester by speaking to somebody who's helped shape the city in some way or other. This week I'm joined by one of the most iconic female Mancunians and star of the Happy Mondays Rowetta she's going to tell us about when she first fell in love with music I was into punk I was a massive
2: crass fan that was about 13 so none of my friends really were whenever I first saw the Sex Pistols on television on um, with Anthony Wilson saying the best band in the world
1: and she'll talk about how she met the band that would eventually change her life
2: because then I saw the Happy Mondays on Tony Wilson's show The Other Side of Midnight and I was like I've got to sing with this band they were doing performance and I was like I've got to sing with this this is the band that I'm meant to sing with. It
1: gives a great pleasure to welcome to the studio a young lady that I first met about 30 years ago and we've had some great times over the decades. It is Rowetta, how are you?
2: I'm really well, thank you. You're looking good. Oh, thank you.
1: Looking very brilliant at the moment, very radiant.
2: I've been having early nights as much as possible. I've got dogs at home, so it's hard, but um, I've been trying to, when I'm at home, have early nights. So I spent a week in Amsterdam at a dance seminar and it just absolutely is proper full on. I'm not used to networking like that and singing that late at night each night. And uh, so but it was brilliant for work. But you come home, you're like, I need a holiday. So my holiday really is staying at home and chilling in Manchester. And I love it. And um, and but it does it makes me feel good when the weather's not too hot, as you can say about Manchester. Um so it suits me living here because um yeah I can get stuff done and get get as much sleep as um as I can mm-hmm. and feel very, very comfortable.
1: Tell us about your dogs.
2: Um well I've got a Cavalier King Charles Spaniel, black and tan and um, a papillon, but one of them is, is uh, getting on. He's nearly 13, wow. so um, it's it, usually they don't last till um, past 10. So I'm really nursing him when I'm at home, but um, I'm enjoying nursing him. It's like having a baby again in a way, um, but you just don't want, you know, obviously you don't want the worst to happen, but he's doing really well.
1: Cool. Well, we've got a little puppy called Dolly that we've probably told you about. She's a uh, nine-month-old now, but she is definitely uh, the new baby in the boon house. You're and... so
2: lucky, though, when they're nine months old, like mine, is on the other, way, the other end now at nearly 13, but... Yeah, I'm gonna make making sure his life's amazing, both of them. So yeah.
1: Something really appealing about B. Rowetta's dog.
2: Oh no, they get massaged. I mean, I don't, I, don't, I don't massage my boyfriends every morning. Not boyfriends. No, but I mean, I wouldn't massage a man every morning, but I massage him every morning. And, you know, get up when I don't want to, go out and um, when I'm working on my tunes, I go out and take them walks in the freezing cold. I just love them. But yeah, no, they do live a life of luxury. When I'm my way, quite a lot though. So mm. then they looks after by my son. So, um, you know, it's, it's great being my dog. I want to come back as my dog.
1: Have you met Sean Ryder's dog, Malcolm the Beagle? Yeah, Is I've you? not.
2: I've seen a picture of him. Right. I don't really spend much time with Sean outside of work because I'm with him so much with the Mondays and stuff, and so we don't really socialise because then we probably start arguing again. But at the moment, we're getting on so well. I keep away from him and his dog when we're off work, but um, no, I love the fact that he's got a dog. Um, yeah. You know, and because we're years ago, we didn't have time for dogs, and I always wanted one, and um, it's nice to know he
1: loves his dog, Malcolm. Malcolm the Beagle, who likes yeah. scrambled eggs. Let's go back to the beginning, Rowetta. We're, t- we're going to talk about Manchester. We'll talk about the Mondays again in a minute or two. Uh, but go back to where you were born, your upbringing. I know some of this stuff already. I know that you're a bit of a rebel at school. Tell us about your childhood in a nutshell. What was it? Paint us a little picture.
2: Well, I was born at Crumswell Hospital. Um, my mum lived in Openshaw. My dad came over to study at Manchester University, civil engineering, and um, he was there for a couple of years. Then we moved to Miles Platting. Um went to nursery miles in Miles uh, Platin. I was only remember because of the pictures, really, the photographs. I think I got in the TV Times, a really cute little girl I was in nursery. Mm. Um, and at some point, my dad left and was going to send over for us to Nigeria. And he didn't. Um, and I think he met someone else. But we got all our injections, I remember that, to mm-hmm. go over to Nigeria. But it never happened. And then my mum moved on quite a few times. Don't right. Tell us about your mum and
1: dad, because your dad was African. Now,
2: from Nigeria. We just came over to study. I think yeah. we met at a wedding. My mum's Jewish. And my mum had been married before, but yeah, they fell in love, met at a wedding, fell in love, had me. And I think I really do think I was going to go over there with my mum. We had a lot of injections, as I said, but I don't know. I don't really know why we never went over in the end. But I'm really glad we didn't. I'm glad that I stayed in Manchester. It's meant to be. Yeah.
1: Um.
2: And that's it, really. Uh, so just we moved to Cheetham Hill. Um. When I went to primary school, um. We moved in with my auntie Sheila. We we lived, um. We lived upstairs, and my auntie Sheila and her family lived downstairs in a terrace house just near Temple School, so that's where I went and uh, was brought up there, exactly the same school my mum went to. I think my grandma went there as well, so it's nice that I went to the same school, Temple and Cheatham Hill. And um, he had a great time there, and then my mum got married um, to someone who didn't like Cheatham Hill. He was a little bit racist, but it was quite funny because he was black, (laughs) he was from Barbados, but when somebody Asian moved next door, he wanted to move. (laughs) I I didn't even realise, I was like, what's wrong with you? I didn't realise he was a bit racist himself. So we moved and we moved to Presswich. And um, I loved it there. We had a great, great time and I'd, I've loved it everywhere up until a certain point. I loved I loved my childhood. I had a great mm. time. I had great friends. Um, Very, very bubbly, very sociable. So I uh, used to hang about with a lot of boys and playing football.
1: And you ended up was it Bury Grammar School?
2: I did, yeah. There was only, I think, three or four of us passed and my best friend passed, Sharon. But um, her parents decided to buy a new house instead of paying school fees for one kid. My mum and my stepdad, because I really wanted to go, and my real dad was so happy that I passed this uh, for this um, private school. the The way they were so happy that I passed for the, this school, just for clever kids, was um, made me want to go. Uh, but it meant I, was, I wouldn't have any of my mates coming from school, and that was it was difficult. And but I went to berry Grammar. The school fees, I think, were about six hundred quid a term, and it's a lot of money back then when I was eleven. And it caused a lot of problems. You could hear my mum and stepdad arguing because my dad was supposed to pay. And the school fees went up every year as well. And I wasn't having a great time. Um, there was loads of rich girls that I really got on with well. Um, I think Patricia Bacci, her dad, owned Salford Van Heyer. His dad often took me to school and picked me up in his Rolls Royce. That was nice. And so it was it was great. And I got on with all them girls really well. But I loved boys and I missed boys. It was a girls' school. And we had our dinner or our lunch in the canteen across the road in the boys' school and went swimming in the boys' school. So I always used to chat to the boys and I always got in trouble for saying hello to boys, which I think is ridiculous. i mean, literally <laughs> just saying hello, I could have done done a lot worse. So I'd started to rebel against that a bit and um, and then things weren't going on well at home, so I started to rebel I used to take I had these little dogs, I used to take them to school with me to assembly. I just started to get in trouble a little bit, but over nothing, it really was over nothing. It was in the end I had to leave. And I'm I left before she kicked me out, but she says you're expelled and the way it's too late. I've already left. I've already packed my stuff. <laughs> Got my hockey stick in my bag to take away <laughs> home with me. And uh, because the school fees were too much as well, I just I could see it was a strain. Yeah. Um, I was hating school. A friend of ours, oh somebody died. Um, this lady I was helping out with, so I just didn't want to go to school the same way. And um, yeah, my mum was busy doing what she was doing when my mum and my stepdad split up. So I don't know. I just it just went a bit wrong at school, but. It's fine, because he ended up being able to sing. But
1: <laughs> When did the singing start, Roetta?
2: Not so way after that. Um, probably when I was... Oh, I got sacked from the choir. Well, not sacked, I didn't really get to get in the choir at Berry Grammar. And I was always told to mind because I stood out too much. And I think Shirley Bassey had the same thing. It was just because I stood out, and instead of um, trying to nurture that talent, just one teacher just put me off singing. And um, I think it was in the first year. So I thought, all right, then I'll, um, I'll learn the trumpet and join the... Um, the brass band and and then um I didn't I didn't just didn't keep up. I think I think I started glue sniffing, so I had to stop stops everything and I didn't sing. And then um and then I just this woman just woman heard me sing, the lady I was talking about that died. She owned a pub across the road. My mum was working there to earn a bit more money to pay for my school fees, to help out with the school fees, because it was it was just killing of these school fees especially when my mum and stepdad split up. So yeah, she got a bar job and I used to sing upstairs to this lady who was dying of cancer and she was saying, go downstairs in that pub, it's called The Bay Horse in um, Sunnybank in Unsworth. And I went downstairs and sang on the stage and just got the book. I don't even know, I sang something rubbish, nothing special, but the amazing round of applause, it was fantastic. Mm. So then I entered a talent competition in Butlins and kept, then you realise you can win a free holiday every time you win, so I kept winning. Yeah, and I sang comedy songs with a guitar. Just playing about four chords, C D E A minor. I didn't I couldn't play many chords anyway, but um I managed to play a lot of five penny piece songs from Lancashire. No. <laughs> yeah, well I tell thee, Dick. Did me really well and stupidly when I got to the final at Butlins, I changed my songs to a serious song because somebody advised it. I think it was No Regrets by Ud Piaf and I should have just stuck to my comedy songs. And I got beaten by a, a comedian, a comedy lad, I think. But um yeah, I know I did well with the um in the talent competitions at Butlins.
1: And what sort of music, I'm assuming before that you were probably inspired by music, what was the first music you loved?
2: I loved punk, I loved Crass specifically. I've actually got a t-shirt in my bag uh, from Steve Ignorant's new range that he's sent me. So I was a massive Crass fan, that was about 13, so none of my friends really were. A lot of my friends at Barry Granby, they were into, in Rochdale, we used to go to Rochdale College, but a lot of them were into rock music. First gig would have been Whitesnake with some lad just because I fancied him, because a lot of them were into rock music, but I was into punk. So I just, I used to fancy anyone who was into the same music as me, but there weren't very many. It's just, if I spotted a lad with a T-shirt on, that um, said, made a statement or, yeah, it was around the Sex Pistols. It was seven, yeah, I was, I was only really young, 11 or something like that. It must mm. have been when I was first into punk. But whenever I first saw the Sex Pistols on television on um with Anthony Wilson saying the best band in the world. Yeah. But Crass I got into heavily. I li- used to listen to Mother, Earth on Loop, uh, Stations of the Crass, just all the time, quietly because nobody appreciated the music. I just really, I just got the message from the lyrics so much. I love the fact that it's it said something, it made a statement that the way that pit punks dressed made a statement until everyone started to dress the same. So then you're not making a statement anymore. You just, everybody's wearing leopard skin and tartan. It's not right. I wear tartan, always have done, so I love tartan but um like the safety pins and all that like it got too much it yeah. started to look like a fashion which is everything that i hated
1: do you remember when the tabloids started doing little um pull outs on how to dress like a punk
2: no I can't. That, that's
1: when i thought i don't think i'd
2: sports. have got tabloids i wouldn't i wouldn't have got tabloids probably but um yeah late
1: 77 um, 78 and they started doing uh, you know in the daily this and the you know daily yeah i No, that,
2: like. yeah, because that's what um, the song that i used to listen to was about um the daily star um, Myra Hindley's on the cover, your very own sweet auntie mother. There she is on the front of the star. Ain't that just a place you wish you were? It's like loads of people want to be famous. and um, Myra Hindley was on the cover of all these papers. I hated all those papers. Why is she on the cover? Why? Is, and a lot of people want to be on the cover of these papers. Hmm. It's all messed up. The world was all messed up then and it still is now.
1: How did you end up in the Happy Mondays then? How did that happen?
2: Oh God, she years later. Well, I'd sung, I'd sung first... Um, Jumping ahead, had been got married, had children, been in a battered wives' home, came out of the battered wives' home, started again in Manchester, and then I did wasn't really singing anymore. I'd sung a bit in working men's clubs um, when I was with my ex-husband, but I had to give him the money, so it was like really just rubbish. Again, winning talent competitions or getting like fifty quid to a hundred quid for doing a, um, a gig for half an hour. I remember my first my first gig I got, was getting fifty pounds through an agent at a working men's club. I got it after doing a talent competition. And they wanted half an hour. I'd only got 20 minutes in sheet music. So that's all they were getting. And I managed to do I got away with doing that for about a year. Yeah, I, really, I, I enjoyed it though. My mum used to drive me everywhere. Even when I had a baby, when I had Georgina, the baby came with me in the car and put her in the dressing room with my mum. So I did that for, yeah, probably about a year or two until um, I couldn't really sing anymore. But And then, yeah, and I started again when I came out of the refuge and then I uh, started going to Hacienda. I got a pass. I sang with Mike Pickering and Graham Park. They were called Dynasty of Two. I got spotted. I think Dave Rove heard me singing behind a bar, or Dave Rove heard me singing. So I sang on the, and his group, Vanilla Sound, called Roger Lyons, a lot of people know, and Mm -hmm. Simon Crompton. It's really, I can't remember. This is all before the Mondays, though. And then we got managed by, we got spotted by Bruce Mitchell, who was doing the lights at the boardwalk Mm. where you used to rehearse, didn't you? Yeah, that's right. Um, So Bruce Mitchell was doing the lights on my first gig with Vanilla Soundcore. He thought it was amazing. I just remember sitting on the stage and then I stood up, my tights were stuck to the nails on the stage. It was was all like suspenders and he always dressed very punk. Um, Well, that's how I I like to dress anyway. And he just thought it was mad. And I remember him saying, "You, you need to be managed by Elliot. He got in touch with Elliot or he told Elliot Elliot needed to manage me. Elliot's office was next door to Happy Monday's office, to Nathan's office. So it was all very coincidental because then I saw the Happy Mondays on Tony Wilson's show, The Other Side of Midnight, and I was like, I've got to sing with this band. They were doing performance and I was like, I've got to sing with this. This is the band that I'm meant to sing with because I just couldn't work out what, what sort of band... I mean, this Polystyrene, I could see me front in a band like that. Extra respect. Yeah, I could see me being a bit like that, or um, Select maybe. Mm-hmm. So I'm looking at Blondie, certainly. Uh, Debbie Harry was a massive role model. But Chrissy Hind
1: as well was on her own. Chrissy
2: Hind, yeah. So all those were my favourites, so I just couldn't see. It was like, oh, it just seemed like hard work getting all that together. Because a lot of these people, they've grown up with the lads that they're in the band with, or... I don't know. I couldn't I didn't there was no way of putting a band like that together. It was before the internet. It'd be easy to do it now. Mm. I could just go, right, I want him in it, and I want him to contact them, but it was too hard to get hold of people uh, or to start again and try and meet people. I remember, I'd come, left all my friends behind in Berry and starting again. So it was like I didn't know where to start. And then this band, this ready-made band that's made for me to sing with, and I just thought, I just straight away thought T-Rex. And mm. and how uh, Gloria, what she when she came into the band with uh, Mark Bolan, how she in my eyes improved some of the songs, lifted it all up, made a lot of well gave them a different audience, yeah. um, and that's what I, I thought I could do this with this band because um, I listened to all their old stuff, Cuff Dam and stuff like that, and I just loved them, yeah. and I just thought this is the band for me. All I've got to do is persuade them and the manager. And it took me a bit. It took me about six months, but I did it.
1: Did it? So yeah. you had to like keep knocking on the door? Well, yeah.
2: Well, Luckily, my office, uh, Elliot's office was next door. So I used to go. I mean, I had kids at school. and I just I mean, Luckily, I didn't drive on purpose, really. So I didn't have to pick them up. I just went home and put the tea out. Um, but yeah, I just used to sit in the office for most of the day and just go home to make the tea. And
1: that, um, that's amazing, isn't it, that you could see... The potential of that relationship before the band caught it was it was your in it your was just mind. meant
2: to be, especially with Tony Wilson saying it, because years ago he'd got me into punk, really, by saying this is the greatest band in the world, the Sex Pistols. And I just happened to see that particular programme and became and got into punk. So when he said it again years later about Happy Mondays, it just all made sense. It was like, that's a sign. Yeah. It got me into punk. Um, a lot of people saw that programme with Sex Pistols, a lot of singers, certainly, and a lot of black singers wouldn't have gone, Oh, that's the sort of thing I want to do. Mm. That wouldn't make you... Because, I mean, I don't, I, I, my mum's record collection wasn't great, but even the Motown stuff never made me want to be a singer. I just didn't want to be a singer because I'd been put off by this stupid uh, music teacher years before. By the way, there was I have to thank a drama teacher in my last year, and it was at um, Unsworth Camp when I left Berry Grammar. And she was called Mrs Roach and she spotted the my voice, my potential and started building musicals around me. And that I used to wag school like I don't know what, but I'd tell you what, I would go in for my musical. And because we did um, a jazz opera, Trouble in Tahiti, which was all around me. There's only five people in the cast. Hmm. Um, we did um, Threepenny Opera. All of a sudden my roles went from... You know, not even being in it to oh, we need to start doing roles that will suit Roetta in a school. That's amazing, yeah. um, and especially because I was a naughty girl. I mean, I'd been in the Arndale, and I'd be like, I've got to, I've got to go and do my music rehearsals. i have been in the Arndale all day when I should have been at school, but I would rush back to rehearse for my musical because it was dead important to me.
1: So fast forward to now, the Mondays have been back together for many years, you're getting on better than ever.
2: Yeah, since 2012, which is amazing. It was yeah. We've only reformed and you were there for one tour. You, you were special guest in Sparrow Carpets and it was only meant to be one tour. Mm. And I thought we'd be lucky if we last the tour before we met. And now, um, yes, yeah, six years later, it's fantastic. We're about to tour Australia and New Zealand, but we're just getting on really well. Myself and Bez are doing offshoots and um on the sixth day, God Created Manchester, we've got a new club night that we're doing. Um, Graham Park's doing one with us and K-Class. So we're going to be doing that and we can be doing that. I was thinking we're going to be doing that in our 60s. We can still be doing that because we love it. You know, as you can do what you do, we can do it when we're older. Mm-hmm. So um, it's fantastic. It's just because me and Beth just spend so much time together and love each other it just makes sense and when he's he was doing a gig in bologna and i just turned up and got on stage with him and he loved that so he did the same to me i had a gig in at an after party in dublin and then when i got there i was a little bit late after seeing all my friends after our gig got there and bessie's on stage and he's not being paid and he's just doing it so we just just <laughs> said and people love it when it's the two of us so we're doing it i'm going to be doing lots of singing he's going to be doing bess what Bez does yeah. and um to spend so much time with your best friend doing what you because we's part anyway I go to his nights anyway he comes to mine I remember I think it was last Halloween he came all dressed up to my night because he wasn't working he turned up at mine no it's lovely lovely because when he's on stage I want to be up there with him and he's vice versa
1: It's funny watching you with the Mondays I think it's fair to say this I think most spectators, more fans would agree, and I'm sure the rest of the band agree. When you watch the band on stage these days, you're very much the glue holding the whole thing together. And I'm saying that with all respect. Oh, thank you. Do you feel like the glue? Yeah,
2: I mean I mean I did I did use to a little bit, but it was all so much messier back in the day. Yeah. Um everything was it was like it was supposed to be a mess before. But now it's fun and um, the respect that I think everybody across the board with the band gives each other is amazing. So I'm really credited for all that now. Um, you know. And I, I do try and go to rehearsals as much as possible, even though I'm not needed really, because I know my bits backwards. I am a, a proper practiser myself. So when I turn up at rehearsal, I know everything back, that I'm going to be doing backwards. And all these gigs, I do work really hard to make sure. They're all fabulous if there's a different arrangement. Mm. I like to try and add my bits now, which is great. Some of them are turning into dance tunes because I do a lot of house music, so... I'm just very, very comfortable with the band right now and we do lots of, um, not spin-offs, but I've done bits with Gaz, bits with Mark Day, bits with Dan Broad, so bits with different members, apart from Sean, really, because Sean does his Black Grape thing, but yeah. So I work with them outside of the of the Mondays. It's and... like a
1: collective, then, isn't it?
2: Yeah, definitely. And it's like, I'm trying to take a step back. I think Gaz was saying did I want to sing with his new thing, but I, I can do. you can do too much sometimes. Mm. And because you're doing Mondays tunes, I think it... He should really do it um and keep it unplugged if that's what he's doing. Yeah. Yeah, I like doing I like writing new stuff though. We're still waiting for the Mondays. We need to start doing some new stuff. Hopefully that'll happen next year.
1: Let's talk about Manchester a bit. So do you think there's a special spirit in this part of the world, in the people?
2: It certainly was. <laughs> now, the problem with Manchester now is full of people not from Manchester. But it's only because I'm old school. One of the reasons I love Manchester is the Mancunians. But now you've got to sift them out a bit more. I'm mm. lucky that I know quite a lot of Mancunians. But even my daughter lives in London, you know, and she's more of a london type of person now. I just love the humour, the sarcasm. And if you're with people that aren't from Manchester, they don't get it. And there's even some uh, Mancunians that have turned a bit London for me. You know, some of my friends have turned a bit money orientated and stuff. And I hate all that. The thing about Manchester is you can live on nothing. You can, you can live on nothing and the weather can be horrible outside. Uh, you work hard and you look after your family and that's it. And you have a laugh. You, you laugh about your problems because there's nothing else you can do. And a lot of people forget that. No matter what, I can say some days I don't like Manchester or the way it's turning out, but then the next day I love it because I'm back with my Mancunians. If you can find them, it's brilliant. <laughs> you know, like if you find the little old pubs, you have to go to places like Moston sometimes though. Some of the, um, like if you go to Didsbury now, it's full of people not from Manchester really. But I still like it, but when you're going for lunch, it's not the same as we used to go for <laughs> dinner or chippy. But I still, when I come back home, I want chippy tea. <laughs> I want, I want Manchester people. It's hard because I, I mean, I'm, you know, all, all, It's fantastic what's happened. The regeneration of Manchester is fantastic. But I was quite happy with how it was before, um, because of the people. So as long as, as long as there are still some real Mancs that stay here and stay Mancunian and don't let the people that come in change you, mm. then I'll be happy.
1: Well, they can create even more beautiful Mancunians like your mum and dad did.
2: Well, yeah, it's, it's just, it's just it's full of southerners.
1: <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like they, they're from opposite ends of the world and they created one of the ultimate Mancunian women.
2: Yeah, definitely. But I've never left Manchester and it's like I was brought up on Eurena Sharple's type of women and that humour. And um, quite often I still meet women like that all the time, especially at airports when they're going to Tenerife for holidays and stuff. And they talk about, it's the way, and they think, feel like they know me. And after about two minutes, I feel like I know them. And they've heard me on the radio or they've seen me on the telly or whatever. And you start chatting. And those are the Mancunians that keep me here and make me love Manchester. Mm -hmm. Um, So hopefully all the kids don't turn. Because the problem is the kids are all turning into these fame-hungry animals Mm -hmm. and um, where money means everything, and fame, and it's just... It's horrible. It should be about people and families and love and dogs and real things. Um, (laughs) And, you know, like if you've not got anything, pretend you have. (laughs) Pretend you haven't, act like you have. Act like you've got, you know, everything in the world, even if you haven't, and, you know, put a smile on your face, even if you're sad deep down and make sure you've got someone to talk to. That's what Manchester should be about.
1: Mm. So there's no chance of you ever moving away. You don't get the desire to live elsewhere.
2: Yeah, I do. I do. I I used to keep, I keep saying though I'm never going to leave, so I think i to messed myself up. No, it's, it's just <laughs> literally my mum's here. So my mum's eighty now, but she's in really good health. So hopefully she'll live a lot longer. Um, but um, I wouldn't live anywhere as long as my mum's alive. My son lives here and doesn't really travel. So I I wouldn't mind living somewhere sometimes. It's, I don't like the heat though. I'm there. I'm away in Spain a lot, but mm. for the people again, 'cause I love the people. And I, lo- I love the place, but I am i don't love it when it's boiling hot. I mean, I've been in Ibiza a lot this, this summer, but that's for work. Um, and I'm there usually two days because of the heat. I could see myself living somewhere like that because it's two hours away and having yeah. a place there. So I don't mind having a place there, but I would hope I'd stay in Manchester as well. I've got dogs here, so I can't leave. But yeah, no, it's the first time of, this year I started to think, you know what? I could probably live somewhere else and... Mm. I've never thought that before. I thought I'd have, I thought I'd die here, but I don't really mind if I don't die in Manchester. It doesn't matter. I'm still Mancunian and we'll still love it. We'll bring you back. We'll bring you back. I'll be buried here. I'll well, spread here yeah. probably, but we'll
1: have a whip round to get. You I back. actually
2: don't want to be in Lake Garda probably, but and then nobody will come and visit me. But I, I really don't care. Once you've gone, you've gone, haven't you? I, I think the, the legacy is my voice. Hopefully, and hopefully people remember that I mean, I'm a good person. And anything good I do, that's important. And there's plenty of years to do that yet. Yeah? But yeah, that's important. And, and it will. I always put Manchester first, and I always will. Before anything, so even if I moved, I'd still be over here, and I—I don't think I could sell my house. I'd, i wouldn't want to. I don't wouldn't want to leave completely. And as I say, my son's here probably forever, So, and I love my son so much. My daughter lives in London, which is terrible. I want to disown her, but what can I do? I very rarely visit her. She's like, oh, you never come and see me. You live in London, love. You you decided. Yeah, you want to see me, I'm in Manchester or Spain.
1: What are your favourite places in Manchester for hanging out and walking your dogs and stuff like that?
2: I don't like telling people, to be honest, because I like places where nobody knows where I am. So that's it. So if I tell people, I just really don't like telling people. People see me all the time shopping. They always try and guess where I am when I put a picture of me walking my dogs. I love it because it's always an empty park or an empty field or an empty by the water. But if I find myself a little place, that's where I like to go. Even nights out, um, I don't really care now. I like to see bands when somebody wants to see.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: I don't have, have favourites like I used to have. Obviously, the Hacienda and stuff back then, but there's nowhere. no Nothing replicates it. The night the Hacienda nights aren't the same as the Hacienda. The Hacienda was a one-off and the people again made, made it what it was. Obviously I love South.
1: Yeah, South Night <laughs> Club. Yeah, because it never
2: changes, you know? So I like South. Um I like things that never change really.
1: Mm. Wherever
2: my mates are, that's where I like.
1: Let's talk about the hacienda briefly. The um can you remember how you felt when it shut down, got demolished, etc.?
2: I was more bothered rather than when it shut down. I was more bothered when it changed and it went terrible. I stopped going to be honest. Mm. So when it shut down, it was it didn't didn't really do anything to me. It was it was when it changed, when my mates were being battered in the queue when it just got it became a hostile place to go yeah. And I just stopped going For me It was great up until about 92 mm. 93 at the latest. I don't think I went after that My memories of hacienda Are all My great memories Were about three years 89 um, Is when I first went in And I probably stopped going 93 I remember coming home And um, Rob Gretton had passed And there was um, Rest in peace Rob I remember our tour bus Came around the corner I remember after that I don't remember enjoying it The same way after that mm. To be honest
1: let me ask you about your, uh, who are your favourite humans of Manchester, past or present? Oh, I
2: just mentioned one, Rob Gretton. Um, certainly Tony Wilson obviously affected my life so much and became a friend. Um, my best friend, Ross McKenzie, who's fantastic for Manchester. He's, 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 he was the black dog, he was the Liars Club. But what it was, the reason, one of the reasons I love him, when I met him, I was walking along Whitworth Street, I was going to Hacienda, um, it must have been in 1990, I think, it's before I'd sung with Happy Mondays though, so maybe the end of eighty nine. And he was handing out flyers trying to get me to go into Brick House. And I was going, as if I go there? And I'm going to Hacienda. And I kept this flyer and he was just promoting it. And he was like a student y type kid. And then I just found it in my bag the week after and it was like, Oh, I'm not doing anything on Monday. There's something going on, on Monday. And we became best friends and that was like thirty years ago, so yeah. yeah it's just amazing So he's one of my favourite Mancunians And I love what he's done for Manchester as I said mm. um, Comes from a posh background but he's done it all himself And uh, I like that Yeah. So and obviously um, all the Stone Roses All the other groups in Sparrow Carpets Obviously all of you Gilly was a friend and used to DJ Some of the nights with us at Morecambe Dome Which I think is gone now mm-hmm. as well So I've got great memories of that Loads of Mancunians, anybody in music I, lo- I love Liam, I love Liam Gallagher I love Bonehead but you just sound like you're name dropping if you just say band people. Steve Coogan I've worked with on 24 Hour Party People as a famous person, but he, I just got on with him as well. Mm. And I love that, all that period. I think I was only needed for about four days and I spent eight weeks with him every night. I used to swap beds <laughs> with different band members. It was and the wives knew as well. i be been Danny Cunningham who played Sean. I'd be in his room one night in his bed... Uh, each side, i will be not sleeping, sleeping with him. It was just like the real band, Chris Coggill, used would sleep with him. A lot. <laughs>
1: Topping and tailing—that's what they call it. Isn't <laughs> well, we didn't top and tail; <laughs> just
2: sat talking next to each other like an old like Bert and Ernie. Yeah. I, I used to do it with the real band, and I did it with that band, uh, the pretend band. So it was a bit surreal, but loads of fun. I still do with Chris Coggill, uh we've been on holiday together and everything. But as mates, it's like it's like. Yeah. Considering he played Bez, that's quite funny. So he's one of my favourite Mancunians. And he wrote the film Spike Island, and which I thought was amazing. He got the great director who did the
1: Oasis film as well. What about football? You big United fan. So yeah, who are your, well, fa- your favourite iconic United players? Well, he's,
2: he's French, but he's Eric, Eric Cantona oh, yeah. is my favourite, without a doubt. And he loves Manchester so much. Yeah. He comes all the time and he's just, he he talks as if he's never played for anybody but Manchester and he talks as if he's from Manchester, really. So I love him. He loves, he gets it. He loves the Mancunians. He was actually here though when Manchester, in my opinion, was still great, great, but it was still very Mancunian. Mm -hmm. Um, And Sir Alex Ferguson, obviously Scottish, but he's Mancunian and lives in Manchester and I'm sure he always will. I love him. I love him. He's Him and Eric Hansen got me so much into football. Ridiculously, but I love um Ryan Giggs, who you know, he does so much for Manchester. Gary Neville, um, I see them out all the time. Paul Scholes, because um, they're still here and they're still helping out with football as well. They, all right, they make loads of money, but they can make loads of money anywhere. They can build mm. hotels anywhere, they can um, have schemes anywhere. So, Bobby Charlton, people like that, because my son did a scheme with him. Well, unfortunately, it was no Eric Cantner. Which I thought I was. He <laughs> was good. He was very fast. But um, yeah, I, th- I think he was better at rugby actually. So yeah, I've got I've got so many favourite Mancunians. So like if you talk about the musicians, you go on for days. So it's, yeah. and same with football. Anybody who's done United proud, you know. But you know, I've got friends in that played for City that I do charity work with. So you know. They just have to forget that the blues.
1: You've named about 20 there, and that's perfect. Some of the names you mentioned there are exactly what this podcast is all about. So people like Cantona and Ferguson yeah. who aren't from here, but they are very much part of what Manchester
2: Well, yeah, you know, really, if... if You've got the key to the city. They should have it, mm. without a doubt. And Bruce
1: be. Mitchell. You know, you mentioned, mentioned Bruce Mitchell Bruce earlier Mitchell. on. I'm going to get him in as a guest. Vinnie Riley, he, I love it. Do you know, I
2: sang with Vinnie Riley once as well. We sang yesterday by the Beatles. Amazing. I know. I wish they, I think it was recorded, so I'd love to find that. I wonder if Conrad has it, maybe. I'd just love to find that. But I love Conrad Murray as well. And SJM, Simon, Simon Moran's done a lot for the city. So people like that, yeah. who we don't really... Um, not everybody knows the names of, but Conrad's amazing. It's like... He's a great manager and um, he really does well for... If if I was going to get someone to manage me, it would have been Comrade. Comrade, It was like a young girl. I'd be going, well, I think I've said as an old girl, if you're ever going to manage anybody... (laughs) uh, Obviously, I manage myself, but Comrade is just... I love him. He even got me to sing with Blossoms on... um, Um, and a live lounge which was amazing so and they were you know I love I love Blossoms and what he's done with the Cortinas I think is really good he's Mm. he's just a great manager
1: and like I said the best thing SGM as a whole Conrad is part of the SGM team they've stayed in this city they're just up the road from here
2: exactly and they're not
1: going anywhere they're just staying here making the place better I just want to ask you one more question Ruetta describe Manchester in three words real sarcastic
2: funny That'll do. Can I say lovable? No, it's he lovable. <laughs> I can't do three.
1: That'll do. That's fine. Thank Rowetta, thanks for being our guest on Humans of Excess Manchester. You're very welcome. Love you, Lords. Love you too. And that was Rowetta. Make sure you join us next week where I'll be speaking to Manchester poet, Tony Walsh. Don't forget to follow us on social media. We are at Humans Excess and subscribe to Humans of Excess Manchester. Rate us and feel free to leave us a comment. Thanks for listening. See you next week.